The Bible puts us in touch with God's thoughts about everything that He wants us to know and think uh, about anything, you know. Uh, the reason we believe that there is such a thing as truth is that we believe God exists about everything. God understands everything perfectly, and God understands everything fully. And this understanding is truth about everything. <laughs> so the truth, everything that God thinks about is truth. Everything that God reveals to us is truth. So this word is God's truth, and everything that he says here is truth. Okay, we understand that. Okay, but then God goes further, and he writes it, and he, he puts it in a way that our human minds can understand. Okay, that's called human language. Okay, he takes it, and he makes it relatable to us. Okay, he takes this word, and it was originally translated into Hebrew, Arabic, and Greek, and it's since been translated into thousands of other languages. But God has revealed himself in three ways. He's revealed himself through nature, okay? We see that. That's one of the theaters of uh, the, in which way he's displaying his glory, is through nature. We can see God at work throughout history. We go through uh, the history of the world Certain events that have happened, we see God's uh, hand and His glory in display, and we see God at work in Scripture. But the Scripture is so unique. It is perfect, and it is, uh, it is God's own interpretation of the meaning of nature and the meaning of history. Okay, And God has revealed through Scripture His redemptive plan for all of humankind. And so the, everything in here is God's truth and uh, God's thoughts about everything. Uh, it is impossible to ex exaggerate the importance of having the Word of God in an understandable human language. Many things about the Bible can be exaggerated, but not its importance. The title of my message this morning is the worth of the Word of God, or the infinite worth of the Word. You can speak false things about uh, the Word uh, and the, uh, about the Bible's worth. You can say things like, the Bible is God, that's false. You can say things like, we should worship the Bible, that is false. But if you speak only truth about the Bible, you can't exa exaggerate its worth. It's infinite. This Bible's worth is infinite. And uh, just some stats about the Bible. It's an amazing book. It's, you know, the full Bible has been translated into 532 different languages in its fullness. 532. And it has been partially translated into 2,883 languages. It's an amazing book. Uh, the Bible is not a single work, uh, but a collection of works. Uh, by a wide variety of over 40 different authors, such as shepherds, kings, farmers, priests, poets, a tent maker, homeless prophets, a doctor, a professional scribe, musicians, and fishermen. Authors include traitors, embezzlers, adulterers, and auditors. 
one man that we should all deeply respect if we consider the language aspect of, of this book for us in English. We should have a deep respect and appreciation for is uh, a, name by the, a guy by the name of William Tyndale. Very British. Um, a man whose God-given skill was such that he translated his translation of the Bible has lasted over 500 years. And uh, I don't, many of you guys would know he translated the King James Version of the Bible. Or he started that. Um, and uh, William Tyndale is an amazing man. Um, I uh, was going through my, my Bible in the front. Uh, I've got the ESV Bible. And I was just kind of, I don't know if you've ever, you know, most books have an introduction to it. Uh, this, the Bible actually has that as well, you know. And uh, they were talking about just the King James Version. And this guy's name pops up. And I'm like, I've heard of him, but I don't know the full story. So I just started doing some research on William Tyndale. And uh, William Tyndale's life should be made a movie. Like, no lies. He, it's like this crazy adventure story. Um, William Tyndale um, is, uh, was a scholar, but he didn't kind of hide away in this tall ivory tower and write, you know, worked masterpieces all by himself in seclusion. Um, he lived in a time where there was, uh, the Bible wasn't only written in Latin, okay? So the, the English people, the British people, or English speakers didn't have access to the written word. It was only shared in Latin, and most people at that time couldn't speak Latin, understand it, yet alone read it. And so uh, they were hearing the word preached, but they didn't know what, what was being preached to them. Or if they did, how did they know that that was accurate? And so William Tyndale uh, was a scholar, and he had studied, and uh, he soon he heard of uh, something going on in Germany. Uh, a guy called Martin Luther had uh, just translated the um, Bible from Latin to, to German. And what that had started was that people were actually exposed to the truth of the Word. They had access to the Bible for the first time. It wasn't just kind of through the Catholic system presented to them and said, okay, this is what you should believe, this is what you should do. All of a sudden, they could open it up and they could see what was written. And uh, for the first time, well, not just the first time, but they were exposed to the gospel. So in Germany, there was a movement erupting of people being freed from religion because they were exposed to the gospel. And so William Tyndale is in Britain and uh, he's in a system that says it's against the law to, to translate the Bible into English. He was not allowed to do that. So he had to flee the country. He flees out of England. He goes to Germany. Uh, he goes to a place, I think it's called, I'm not even going to pronounce it. He goes to a, 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 a little town called Mainz. Mainz was a, a town very well known for the first printing press. Okay, one of the first printing presses. Uh, he goes there and uh, he wants to get the Bible translated into English and spread out into England so that people can hear the gospel and be set free. That's his desire. So he goes to this uh, little place there um, and he, 
uh, there's a guy called, I think it's Gutenberg, Johannes Gutenberg is the guy who owns the press. And uh, they start working on translating the Bible, but they do it secretly because they can't let the authorities know that this is what they're doing. So by day, they work in the press. They make sure that they make enough money to keep going. And then in the evening, secretly, a small group of them, in secret, translate the first version of the Bible into English. And they're doing this, they're doing this, and doing this. And then one of William Tyndale's team betrays him, goes to the authorities, and he gives him up. He says, this is what this guy is doing. He's translating. I, you know, I'm not really a part of it, even though I was, blah, blah, blah. And as, as the, the authorities are on their way, um, this betray, the guy that went and betrayed him has a change of heart all of a sudden. And he's like, oh, no, let me tell William at least that they're coming. And William goes and he gathers up the only known copies of Matthew at that time in the world. This is in the 1500s. And uh, he gathers up them, gathers them, and he runs away. Uh, and he escapes, luckily, and he flees towards where Martin Luther, who's translated the German version, uh, is staying. And he, he stays there, and he translates the whole rest of the New Testament. Uh, and eventually, he translates 85% of the Bible before he's caught, and uh, he's martyred, and he's killed for translating the Bible. Uh, I think they, they say that he was staked and strangled, which is a bit hectic. Um, um, but, yeah, he was staked and strangled um, for, for translating the Bible, William Tyndale. And it says, so as we sit and read our different versions today, um, we need to remember that we are indebted to this man in a sense. We need to have a huge appreciation for him. There's such a value on his life. He was, he was caught, um, and then the last thing, the last words that he spoke, and this is well known, um, is uh, as he was be on the stake, strang being strangled to death, um, and uh, later on they burned his body, um, he shouted these words. He said, O oh Lord, open the king of England's eyes, because the king at that moment was also opposed to this new book coming in everyone having access to the Bible, because what was it giving them? It was giving them freedom, and uh, that's not something you want when you uh, are ruling. It's a lot easier to rule people that don't know they have access to that. And so, uh, four years after William Tyndale's death, there had been four different copies, uh, four different translations of the English Bible had been released throughout England, by the king's command. So he was saved, and he pioneered the first movement, um, the king. I think it was Henry VIII, I think. Yes, Henry VIII. And he, he actually said, guys, we need to get this Bible out. And so the King James Version came out and a bunch of other Bibles. And as an English uh, reader, we, we, are, we need to be so thankful for this guy. Um, and the amazing thing is that there are so many passages of Scripture that are still exactly, almost, they are identical to when Tyndale translated them. They haven't changed one bit. That was the remarkable, the skill, the gift that God blessed him with. Um, some of those are like, let there be light. It's not changed. Since 500 and what years ago, it's not changed one bit. 
Um, other ones are, am I my brother's keeper? Uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Hasn't changed. And uh, he went out and wept bitterly. Speak with tongues of men and angels. Fight the good fight. When you realize that uh, those words haven't changed, and there's a guy that gave his life for this Bible, this, this book, uh, people have died to protect it, to advance its spreading. There is a value, there is a worth that, you know, it's like she's people, people paid for their lives to give me this book this morning. You know, there, there's that worth. But when we look at what God does through it, that's the infinite value. That's the infinite worth that we see. You know, people have died for a lot of things. People have spilled blood over things that have a lot less, you know, kind of value to us. But God spilled blood over this blood, you know, this book and His Son, you know, as well to get it, to spread it through. So this morning, I just want to give you guys seven, just seven quick things that I feel God's Word, the value, um, the worth, the infinite worth of God's Word to us. Just seven quick things that I've seen, and there are many more. There are hundreds. There are so many ways that God's Word works in our lives. It's worthy to just be uh, applied to us, uh, but I just want to give you guys seven. And so the first one is the Word of God has infinite worth because it awakens and sustains faith. Okay? It has infinite value because it awakens and sustains faith. There is nothing else apart from the Word of God that can do that for you. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And how do we get faith? It says, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the Word of Christ. So if we don't have the Word of God, we can't have faith. So the first point is that this book gives us the very thing we need to enter into a relationship with God. It gives us faith. Okay, that's big. I mean, it's, sometimes we miss how massive these things are. We would be lost right now if we didn't have the Word of God, if we didn't have God orchestrate a guy like William Tinsdale's life so that we can sit here free this morning. That's beautiful. That's infinite going to change your life forever. It's beautiful. Okay, second thing. Uh, the Word of God has infinite worth because through the hearing of His Word, God gives us His Holy Spirit. And that's what I, this passage I read earlier, I was talking about this. Through hearing His Word, God gives us the Holy Spirit. In Galatians 3 verse 5, it says, Does He who sub supplies the Spirit to you Work and work miracles among you. Do so by works of law or by hearing with faith. What is the answer? That's a question. Hey, by what? By the hearing of faith. Okay, please. That's what it is. It's by hearing by faith. Okay, hearing. It's not works of law. We don't receive the Holy Spirit because we've checked the box. We've come here this morning. Oh God, now... You can bless me because I've done this this week. I'm going to receive your spirit because I'm perfect. No. God, I hear your word, your goodness, your word at work, and I receive the spirit because of that. Again, we can only receive the, 
the spirit that we so desperately need because the word of God is there for us. So if you're struggling, you're saying, I, I just don't feel the spirit at work in my life. I, I'm walking, but I'm just doing my own thing. People talk about being led by the spirit. They, they feel like she's, God is providing whatever, whatever, whatever. The spirit is at work in their life. And you're saying, I'm not seeing that. Well, it's pretty clear here. It says, if you hear what? Hear the word. That's what it's talking about. Paul was preaching the word. So we need to let ourselves be exposed to the word. What happened when Peter proclaimed the truth at Pentecost? The Spirit came. The Spirit came. We proclaim, pray, proclaim truth and the Spirit will come. Um, in Ephesians 5 it says, Be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So when we are filled with the Spirit of God, this is what happens. There's a parallel verse to, say, verse to that. It says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you rich, richly, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So when we let the word of God dwell in us, and it's not just a once a week, okay, cool, you know, let me hear this. Dwelling means it's in us, it's, it's with us. Dwelling means uh, it's, it's literally living with us. God's Word needs to live in us, be alive in us. Okay, when we dwell together, uh, there are certain things that happen. You know, I'm dwelling with some people in our house, and we start noticing things about each other because we're together. Dwelling means life together. And dwelling doesn't mean once a week on a Sunday or once a week at life group. Dwelling means it's here, it's in me. The Word of God needs to dwell in us, and then the Holy Spirit will follow Number three, the Word of God has infinite worth because it creates and sustains life. What life does it create? It creates eternal life. Eternal life, that's what we're talking about. Okay, You have not been born again. You have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable. Through the living and abiding Word of God. God's Word brings life okay, and life in abundance. It brings, it brings uh, us eternal life when we, when we believe. It brings life. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. That's Jesus speaking. Okay, they are, the words that I give you brings life and it brings my spirit to you. And uh, the last one there, it says, Man shall not what live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. If you have Christ today living in your heart, it is because of the word. That's the, the life you have is because of the Word of God. Number four, God's, the Word of God is, infi is of infinite value because it gives us hope. Many of us are sitting here this morning and there's no hope. Maybe in your life. It's a day-to-day -day thing. There's not, no, no ambition. Hope brings Hope brings so much. It excites us. It's a, there's a sense of anticipation, hope. You know, I can't wait. God, sheesh, I'm hopeful. And uh, I think I know we're in a nation that struggles with hope because hope is dashed, because hope is put in the wrong person's hands. But when we, put our, when we start reading the Word of God, 
we find a hope that is infinite and it will never run dry. It is eternal. It has always been there and will always stay with us. And uh, sometimes we just need to believe that. It's like, Yanko, I've heard this. I've, I've heard people say, oh, you know, just have hope. God brings you hope. But it's because I think we've, we've, we've seen God work in maybe one or two or three different ways through His Word and bread us hope. And we always go back to that exact same three. It's like, God, this scripture, this scripture should give me hope. Or this way. Or I've, I've experienced hope when I came to church and the worship was great, but I didn't feel that today. Or, but we limit God and we say, God, this is the way you must bring hope. And we don't let Him work. I found this amazing passage Paul writes in Romans. He says in Romans 15 verse 4, he says, For whatever was written in the former days, so what is it talking about? Whatever was written in the former days, so in the Old Testament, whatever was written in the Old Testament um, uh, was written that through endurance and through the encouragement of Scriptures, we might have hope. So whatever was written in the previous days, so the whole Old Testament is there for what reason? That we might have hope. So when we read the old boring part of the Bible, which really is the majority, let me show you, the majority of the Bible, that is there so that we can have hope. Every single thing for whatever was written in the former days was written for instruction that through endurance and through encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. So stop placing your hope in things of this world and stop, stop placing it in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Because if the Old Testament can bring us that hope, then how much more can Jesus, who came to set us all free, bring us hope? So we need to set and find our hope in the Old Testament, and that is infinitely valuable. Okay, the fifth one. The Word of God is infinite, of infinite worth because it leads us to freedom. freedom. Hmm. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It's freedom. Okay, freedom. Um, there is a very interesting belief, I think, among Christians that uh, God's Word limits us. It's, uh, it maybe puts in structure that we have to live our lives this way and that uh, when a lot of people look at our lives, they say, Shush, your life, that seems like it's, it's a struggle. You guys have to obey all these rules. You have to whatever, whatever, whatever. You have to go to church. You have to this or that. I'm telling you, when you truly take a hold of God's will for your life, it is the most freeing thing ever. If you understand that you have been called to love God, love people, make disciples, and advance God's kingdom, then anything you do will be to bring glory to God and fit in with His will. That it, you know you've, you're free to do whatever you want because you know I'm not going to go against God's will. So it's the most freeing thing. It's like, God, I'm never going to oppose your will. That's my greatest desire is to always stick with your will. So I'm just going to live my life. And I'm going to always make sure that my, my life is guided by your will. So that's freedom. It's like you're just taking steps and you're saying, God, I'm taking this step because I want to be in line with your will. Not doing my own thing. Your will. And that's freedom. And it's only freedom if you've tasted that freedom. 
when, when some, if you're sitting here this morning and you don't know Jesus, that can sound like religion to you. But it's freedom. Knowing Jesus is freedom. And that freedom is beautiful. And His Word brings that. If you're feeling enslaved this morning, if you're feeling bogged down by the weight of what's going on in this world around you, and you, you're not feeling freedom, it's because you're not spending time with the one that came to set the whole world free. And it's right here. It's right here. Number six, the Word of God is of infinite value because it enables us to defeat the devil. And I think sometimes we don't like mentioning the devil's name. Ooh. But the devil is real, guys. And to be honest, the devil cheapest for how many centuries did the devil rule over man and still is the devil deceiving he's lying he's leading people astray in the church church leaders he's leading people astray he hates the church with a passion he hates the word of god hates it he's real but the word of god is the only thing that can defeat the devil because it's truth. And we see that Jesus preached truth. That's how he fought the devil. Yeah, I think is it uh, in uh, 1 John, it says, I write to you young men, you can say young women as well, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. Because the truth, the word of God is inside of you, you have overcome the devil. And it's something we, we can rejoice in. Again, it brings freedom. It brings life. Um, and the last one, and I'll, I'll finish with this. It says, the Word of God is of infinite worth because it is a source of full and everlasting joy. And that one, that one, I think a lot of us need to hear this morning. So do you have joy in your life? When was the last time you really laughed, when you just had a fun time? Not because you forgot about what's going on, but amidst the troubles, the tribulations, the, the stress, you have joy because it is found in God. And uh, it says uh, in one psalm, this is such a good verse, it says, Blessed Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight, his joy, his happiness, his life, his freedom, his hope is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. Day and night. That's where he finds his delight is in the law of God, the word of God. How many of you guys spent time with God this week? How many of you guys sat and just meditated on the Word? I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm just asking you, how many of you are feeling hopeful this morning? How many of you are feeling joyful this morning? How many of you are filled with the Spirit this morning? How many of you are excited for what is to come? Maybe you're not feeling that way because you're not letting the Word of God do that in your life. Some other verses that talk about the joy of the Lord because this is an important thing. God's Word brings joy. It says, 
the law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Sheesh. I rejoice at your word like one who finds great spoil. I love your commandments above gold, above fine gold. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. The precepts of the Lord, the Lord is right, rejoicing the heart, more desired than gold. Oh, how I love your law. It's my meditation all the day. And I want to end just with this. Jesus himself talks about the joy that the scripture brings. And he says this in John 15. And if you take anything this morning, take this scripture with you. Um, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Just, Just take a couple of moments to take that in. It says, these things I have spoken to you. What things? Truth. God has been speaking, Jesus has been speaking truth. And he's saying, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy, Jesus' joy, Jesus' joy may be in you and that, it, that you may have it in full. Okay, so who's Jesus? Jesus is God's Word incarnate, so in human form. It's God, okay? It's an infinite being. Jesus is infinite. His joy is infinite, it is, it is eternal. It's never-ending. It's, it's perfect. Jesus finds his ultimate joy in the Father, obeying his Father, whose joy is also infinite. So he, Jesus is saying, I find my joy when I rejoice in my Father's joy. Okay? And he's saying, if you listen to what I have said to you, you will find the joy that I have, which is infinite joy, and you'll have it in full. That is, like, I'm like, God, why am I ever, like, downcast? It's because I'm not listening. Maybe you're sitting here this morning, you're saying, sheesh, I don't even think I've tasted, like, a millionth of that joy Jesus is speaking. I say, well, take heart, you know, like, if you have tasted, that's good. God says, He promises that you will have it in full if you continue to listen. I want to see a church that is full of joy. I want that so badly. I want people to walk in here and see something that is real and not fake. Like, I hate that. I hate it when it's fake. Oh, let's clap, let's jump. And it's like, oh, wow, you're forcing us. But when it's real, when it's rooted, when it's deep, when you're like a tree planted by the stream of living water, you will bear fruit in your season and your leaves will never wither. Never wither. Whatever God brings, whatever season we're in, whatever's going on in this country, we will not be affected by it because we are planted next to the stream of living water. A stream that brings joy, even when it doesn't feel like there's any joy left. We're like, God, you still bring me joy. In my family, in my workplace, you bring me joy. You bring me hope. God, because I place my hope in your word that is eternal. A word, your very words. The God that created everything. The God that created everything. What can we create? <laughs> Honestly. God that has st- 
his life, oh, well, not his life, his kingdom, his kingdom keeps advancing and has stood through the ages. That is the God we serve. His word is of infinite value. And this morning, if you are without hope, if you are without freedom, if you are without life, if you are without the Spirit of God, if you are struggling, this is the answer. Not man. Not man. This is the answer. Not a quick fix. This is the answer. Let me pray for us. Father God, thank you that you paid the price. You paid the price that we can have freedom, that we can have joy. Father God, that we can have all these things that, that you've promised to us, Father God, even though we are so undeserving. Lord Jesus, and what you require from us is faith. And that faith only comes when we hear the truth. And so, Father God, I pray for anybody sitting here this morning that needs your joy, your hope, whatever it is, Lord Jesus, that they would have faith because they've heard the truth. Father God, I pray that your spirit will work right now, Lord Jesus. Just stir up, Father God, a response in our hearts that, it, that is appropriate, Lord. That is appropriate, Father God. Lord Jesus, I pray for, for those, uh, especially those that are without hope this morning. Lord Jesus, I pray that, Lord, your, your word has been written to give us hope. Lord Jesus, we have a hope found in you. Lord Jesus, and your ways will never change. They're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And your promises are true and infinite, Lord. And so I pray, Father God, for hope to fill the lives of people that need hope this morning, Lord. And if that is you, just, just open your heart right now and just say, God, I need your hope. I need your hope this morning. If you are without joy, maybe you've, you've, you, you, you've, you've longed to experience the joy of God in your life, in your family. You've grown up and you've grown up in a family where emotions are held back. God is a God of emotions. He created emotion. So, Father, I pray for joy to fill families, houses today, Father God. I pray for uh, families that are represented, Father God, in this room right now. Lord Jesus, may, may there be joy because people are walking with you, Lord. I pray for that, Jesus. pray that we would be a church that loves your word and loves to see your word at work in our lives. Father God, I pray for freedom in this church. Father God, I pray for love, faith in this church. I pray that your spirit would work in this church, Father God. Thank you, Lord Jesus.